Hello, and welcome to the new age of risk analytics. In this episode, we'll take a deeper dive into the issue of model risk management with Tomasz Mostowski and Luther A. Klein, both from Accenture. We're here at the SAS Global Forum, and I would like to hear from you who you are and what brings you here today. Terrific. I'm Luther Klein. I'm a managing director with Accenture and responsible for our finance and risk analytics practice across uh, the U.S. and Canada. So I'm Tomasz Mostowski, and I'm leading our risk analytics practice in Europe, and I come from Poland. First, I wanted to get your perspective on how model risk management intersects with a broader framework of operational or enterprise risk management. Yeah, so I think that currently this is like part of the operational risk and enterprise risk. So the risk of the models is very big in terms of what can go wrong. And the financial institutions rely more and more on models. So less on, I would say, expert knowledge, but more on the models. And um, we know that there are more models, the models get more complex. And of course, then there is more risk that they will fail at some point. So... The failure of a model can be have substantial effect, financial effect on the organization. So this is, I would say, part of the operational enterprise uh, risk as a whole. And kind of further on that, I mean, I think what you're what you're seeing over the last uh, few years is the evolution of model risk, where. You know, if you go back a number of years ago, model risk was in kind of an independent function within the organization. And what you're seeing more is the intersection of what is the impact of, of model risk and, you know, the reserve against models that now needs to be integrated into not only my operational risk framework, but my enterprise risk framework. And within that construct, what you're also seeing is through the evolution, I think if you go back a decade ago, you know, we had algorithmic trading models, right, that were evolving in the marketplace. And you had to balance, you know, it was really an operational risk focus, if you look at the example of night trading. And, and what you're starting to see is through, you know, the new, like the new model frameworks, the new artificial intelligence models, the new machine learning models. We're starting to see that integration, if you will, and that intersection of, you know, where does model risk fit in and where does operational risk fit in? And that intersection is becoming tighter and tighter as we move across kind of the landscape today. I think so. And I'm starting to get the impression, and uh, I'd, I'd love your feedback on this, is that technology, along with what it's bringing toward us in terms of efficiency and scalability, is also necessarily requiring us to break down silos, which I think is interesting that the, the innovation and in technology is sort of moving the culture in that way. Are you seeing that as well, or is that just my perspective? It's, um, it's clearly shifting the way we operate in the business lines today. I think what you're starting to see as a, as a model risk manager, if you think of where, you know, kind of my role the last few years, as a model risk manager, um, I focus more, you know, we've, we focus more on enterprise models or enterprise analytics, but the new technologies are really shifting us to and, and really inserting models into the fabric of, of the first line, of the business lines. And what we're starting to, and what I'm really kind of seeing is how does model risk get executed in not only through technology or through technology, but then it gets implemented through technology, but in the end it gets integrated into, or the evolution is that the impact of how does model risk impact growth and how does it insert into these models is really the, the foundation of where we are in the industry. Yeah, I would 
would also say that probably the technology adds the factor that you can really now oversee all of the models that you are having in the organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think in the past it wasn't possible for anyone to really have the full oversight on what's going on. And now if you do it properly, you can have this, like say, management overview of what's going on, are the models performing well, and also see this um, intersection. So sometimes, you know, one model has some influence on the other risks, which haven't been seen previously. And that's what you exactly saw, that this is breaking the silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this brings a lot. You have now people who can oversee bigger picture and really better manage the risk in the organization. Can you give me some perspective on... AI and machine learning, and I think what I'm hearing from people, the sort of party line, is is that it's going to increase efficiency and accuracy and and all of that. Are we finding that it's all that's advertised? And and then my second component of that question is going to be about how that's impacting you know the sort of human capital of organizations. But let's just start with the technology is itself. Um, is it as shiny and helpful as, as we're finding, or are we still in, in too early stages to determine that? So I think that there is a lot of hype around AA and ML in general. And currently, many of the things that needs to be done in the, let's say, model risk management framework doesn't really require you to have AI and ML. Uh, it maybe it's a little bit of the definition how you want to define artificial intelligence or machine learning. I think there is a lot of place for automation, so intelligent intelligent automation. Uh, so to really do the repetitive task uh, by the machines, uh, I don't know, you can call it RPA, so robotic process automation. Um, but I don't see at the moment like a big shift that will uh, allow, I don't know, to, to really build the models in an automated way you have of course like the whole movement into new kinds of models that you can use the machine learning techniques to really build the models faster but this is not a big shift it's just a for me just a different statistical model that needs to be applied to the same problem and so i think that we are not ready yet for the ai mnl and i think that this is we have to do the, the basics first, and then you can move to the more advanced things. Yeah, and I think I mean I think you make an interesting point, which is we're in year one or year two, if you will, of a multi-year journey um, around artificial intelligence and machine learning models. I think in terms of the model development lifecycle, right? You aren't seeing a huge increase in terms of pace at the model developer level. But where I see a lot of value and what I'm seeing in the industry is the shift from where it was, you know, 16 months ago, 18 months ago, where it was, you know, let's try a proof of concept in these particular areas to see where AI and ML can drive benefit. And we've gone beyond that to where now it's how do I use AI and ML to drive value in the outcomes, whether it's across, you know, any money, the compliance agenda, any money laundering fraud the customer agenda, right, around how do I drive, you know, uh, growth in terms of, you know, customer micro, in in specific micro segmentation uh, variables. How can I drive value in terms of, you know, liquidity analytics or behavioral analytics for, for commercial or retail lending? These are all areas that are growing aggressively right now. So is it everything that it's mapped to be? I think... 
we in financial services are limited to our use because of the regulatory paradigm. And maybe we can't do the self-learning models in many instances, but we have the ability to use the, you know, use other mechanisms of machine learning. And these examples are really exploding in the marketplace right now. And we can take significant advantage from, uh, from a value proposition perspective to each of our, each of our, uh, each of the industry. Well, I wanted to address, you mentioned the, a word that strikes terror in the heart of so many professionals, which is automation. So <laughs> we're hearing a couple different messaging around this is, is one that it's going to streamline processes and, and it's going to, you know, make, make jobs a little less banal and a little more strategic. Do we feel it's going in that direction? Are, should people be ramping up on new skills now? I mean, obviously, it's going to change the career paths. What are you guys seeing and anticipating in, in terms of how people's functions are, are going to alter as a result of this new element? Take that question. You kind of highlighted two different questions there. And I think the first question I'll kind of take um, is really around the new skills in the marketplace. And I think you are seeing a shift in the way, you know, uh, in the skill sets that are required. So before, I think if, even if you go back again, 24 months, I look at you know, traditional modelers or traditional analytics resources. I mean, you used regression-based lending. It was you know, data-driven. Um, cycle times, you know, for model builds can take anywhere from six to 18 months in most organizations. I think what's interesting about, you know, the new and kind of looking at the new, you know, AI and ML tool set is what we're finding is really, you know, I find three kind of unique things. Number one, I'm finding the need for resources to be, you know, have, you know, be leveraging kind of some of the new tool sets that are available in the marketplace. A lot of the in addition to you know SaaS and kind of the, the capabilities that SaaS has, you have to have the flexibility to also look at some of the some of the tool sets as well. Number two, I'm seeing the need for uh, more focus in terms of understanding and be able to drive insight on the data. So there's a lot of new insights in in as we look at micro segments that I'm that I'm required to go after. What I'm finding is that it's not just about the regulatory agenda and the process. It's around how can I look at data differently and, and be able to kind of identify those new assets or new types of information. So I'm looking at new skills for the data scientists of the world in addition to my traditional model risk skill is really the outcome that I think we're starting to see. And it's this intersection which is shifting the way we as me as model risk managers are starting to hire in the industry. So it's not necessarily around automation as a negative. I think you're seeing the evolution and the explosion of models in terms of increased model inventories by 10 to 15% per annum. So I think the, so in this industry, we're still in a growth industry. The question is really around what are the new skills that you have to have to be relevant in this growth industry. What, what do you think people should be focusing on that? And, and then we'll get back to your segment on that. What, what do you think, if, if you're a professional in the industry and you want to ramp up, where, where do you think they should be keeping their focus? So I think that uh, the shift to the marketplace has moved, in my mind, from regulatory-based analytics to where, uh, where it was solely based on 
the back office, if you will, credit capital towards, I need now that information as a barrier to entry, as a baseline skill. But how do I integrate that back into the growth agenda, the value agendas of the organization? And so it's this shift that I'm seeing across the industry. So if I look at the growth in the number of models, it's in the impacts are in really three areas. One is compliance models, right? In terms of how do I use AI, ML for, I think I mentioned AML, fraud, and that sort of stuff. Number, but the key growth areas are in, as I look at these, you know, uh, the, you know is in customer and in decision analytics in the first line and how I move to that, to that business model. So it's, it's a slightly different shift from my traditional credit view to how do I move and integrate risk and growth into the same analytic frameworks. I think that's happening throughout the industry is there's this new perspective of instead of saying, mm-hmm. the sky is falling, they're saying, well, there's a crack in the sky, but here's how we're going to make money off of it. I, I think that's a general industry <laughs> shift that I'm seeing when mm-hmm. I talk to people, but I could be wrong. Tomorrow. Please. Um, thoughts on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of things. Uh, yes. And just maybe to, to add a few things to, to what Luther said. Uh, you know, the, the industry is growing, so the number of models is growing uh, at a really fast pace. And in many organizations, the amount of money that is uh, being put into it is not growing in the same pace. So you need to do more work having the same amount of money. So you really need this automation in order to keep up with the growing numbers. <clears throat> and I think that a lot of tasks that are being currently done in the model risk management are not really very interesting, to be honest. So a lot of data cleansing and performing the same statistics that you have done already 100 times, it's not what people really like doing. And they do it because they have to, be, they have to do it. And I think that this automation frees up the capacity and allows the organizations on the one hand to uh, do the same amount, so do more job with the same amount of money. So that's one point. And they make the job of the, especially model validators, more interesting again. Mm. And you ask also the question about the, the skill sets. And I think that there are a couple of things into it. First, I think that the change in technology and the democratization of data allows more people to look at it. So you also have people in the management area who need to keep up with the new technologies and new statistic uh, solutions in order to understand what's going on with their models. And they have now the capability to really see what how the models were developed, how they were invalidated, what are different statistics around the quality of those models by a click of the button. And they should do it. And they really need to train themselves in, in this new area. So um, it may be not a huge shift in, I would say, the statistics that's behind it. So many of the things that we are doing have been developed in the 70s. You know, it's like we just have more powerful computers. We can put more data and do it faster. Uh, but some of the things are quite new and they need to understand the, the problems that are with those uh, models. And on the other hand, you have the model developers and the validators or the quants that are really doing the job and they need to learn all of the new techniques. So now you really need to know, I don't know, Python, for example, to, to, to keep up with the, with the market. Um, 
and then you probably will have a little bit more time so maybe this time you need to spend more on thinking if your models are working properly and not just taking the boxes that are needed in your written your policy how you must validate your models uh, and this also requires the, this new skills to think really critically about how the models have been built how they are being used uh, what is the the risk on the market, maybe there's a risk in the broader economics, maybe there are new entrants that will really change the market and you need to take it into account. Um, so I think that this, I would say that there are two things that people need to have right now. One is the will and ability to learn new things fast. And the second is to be open-minded and really look for other ideas other areas, other angles to it. So talk to different people and look how, the, how it's being done. Definitely, it seems like it's forcing us to work smarter and not harder, <laughs> which is, you know, usually just been a poster in, in somebody's office, but now it's, I think it's being, you know, sort of I re- fear that it's going to be even harder, you know. It's like, it, you'll, it's not the automation will not save us. I think it will still need to learn and uh, keep up with the world with an even faster pace you know it's like this um, I don't know how exactly it was in in English in the Alice in the uh, Wonderland you know it's the, the, when the queen says uh, we need to run really fast to stay in the place you know it's um, I think it's what we are seeing right now so people really need to fast very uh, run very fast in order to be uh, to stay in place that's a very good analogy. Thank you. Thank you for that. What are you finding are some of the challenges in terms of model governance in this new framework? Um, for people who are still ramping up on the technology, for people who are still understanding the capability of the technology, that means you have to work lightning fast to make sure there aren't gaps in it. Um, how, are you, how are you seeing the sort of model risk framework changing from a model risk governance perspective, we're seeing a significant shift in order to manage not only the legacy models, but also the new frameworks that are coming into play. And so artificial intelligence and machine learning is, uh, is really shifting on multiple dimensions. One is, how do I manage, as, as I have models that are, that are learning and driving variable selection, you know, only on a on a decision by decision basis. How am I managing not only the explainability and transparency of those models, but then secondly, how am I using that data to drive and identify specific biases or other adverse implications that these models are producing? So, we'll, so from a from the dimensions perspective, number one, we're having to put sizable monitoring as well as risk management governance around each of these models. And so what we're starting to see is some of the initial proofs of concept two years ago on very specific use cases, they're not wide enough. The monitoring costs of AI and ML actually far exceeded their benefit case. And so what we started looking for is we needed to have large enough business cases, large enough outcomes in order to drive the benefit case across this overall footprint and ultimately a commitment to drive the functional outcomes that we would require. 
And so with that being said, what we're starting to see is how, what we're now starting to get into is not only are we seeing the evolution as I start driving the documentation, the transparency, the outcomes, what we're starting to now evolve into is we're starting to see new instances as we build the data sets of variable selection, as we build the data sets of the, of the learning models, we're actually seeing new types of bias where historically we never would have considered before in customer models and decision models. And we're able to evolve just based on the analytics themselves and the data and the history themselves, we're actually to see new insights and new capabilities. So this is really kind of the area I think where we're going to spend quite a bit of time in the industry over the course of the next uh, really 12 to 24 months as, as, you know, as this marketplace evolves. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Um, what are some of the best practices that you're seeing that, that you'd want to steer people toward, you know, in, in the adoption of new technology or in the current environment? That's, a, I would say, a tough question in general. <laughs> um, I think that uh, it really depends on on the size of the organization and on the place in the journey where they already are so there isn't like a silver bullet that will solve all of the problems and it really depends <clears throat> on the, the size of the of the bank if it's like a relatively uh, small or mid-sized banks with hundreds of models or is it like a big bank with uh, thousands of models and depending on which technology you already have and um, you really need to think probably critically where you want to go how you want to get there so what is the, the roadmap um, how much money you want to throw at it because it will be costly and it might be nasty at some point if you're going to do it uh, so I would probably start with um, really having a good plan for it and not saying oh uh, we'll just move into this direction so you really need to see the problems so the models are interconnected with other problems with the organizations. So we hear now a lot about you know uh, the coupling of the old systems, how you want to shift into new, how you need to keep your legacy systems and in the same time try to turn into the new world. And it has also the impacts on, on your model risk management and on, on your data, uh, on the availability and... Um, you really need to do it across the organization. So it's not like, uh, again, siloed solution that you can say, oh, we will do it, and you do not look across the, the board. Thank you. Did you have something to add to that? Luke? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's two dimensions I think about here. Number one is, from an individual perspective, best practices. I mean, I, I think it's really simple. Regardless of the technology and the tools, it's really simple. One always be learning and adopting the new tools and new capabilities. I think you have to be open to those tools and you have to embrace them at the end of the day. It sounds so simple, but you know, so many of us are kind of so focused in what we do in day in and day out. We have the repeatable task to then go and execute, but be willing to adopt the new tools and new concepts and understand where they fit in. Number two, make sure you understand where the value proposition is. And what I mean by value is, Understand, and you, you guys, I mean, most people make the trade-offs in their day-to-day -day lives, but understand where the value is for the capability and make sure to understand, does it fit in for that purpose? Whether it's, am I, you know, 
how deep of a validation am I going to do versus a high complex model versus a low complex model? Or it could be as broad as how, what's the complexity of the, of the technology tools in terms of automating model, you know, model validation documentation? And can I, can I integrate these capabilities into my footprint to drive speed to market? Understand the value proposition of the, of the solution so that you understand where it fits in. From a technology perspective, I think what we're really seeing, I think the last key thing that I would add in is really, there's really two dimensions on the technology dimensions. Number one is we've seen this evolution of point solutions. We talk about it when it comes to micro segmentation. We talk about it when it comes to, you know, getting AI and ML gives us very, the ability to go very granular in our capabilities. The key that you have to think about in terms of the technology footprint is understanding the data and understanding ensuring the data quality and data completeness up front. And number two is ensuring that whatever we're building is integrated into a enterprise analytic framework. So what I always see in technology is a bunch of proliferated point solutions that become unwieldy to manage, control, and execute. And we end up spending more time managing the implementation running the execution than integrating the outcomes. We equally have to spend as much time understanding how to build the model as well as how to integrate the model into our new footprint. All of that was incredibly insightful and articulate from both of you. I really thank you for taking the time to speak to me and for the benefit of our listeners today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank I really you appreciate it. it. And I hope thank you have you. a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on the new age of risk analytics. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be notified of future episodes and visit sas.com slash risk for information on these and other risk topics.